Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke? And we're going to look in Luke chapter 22 to begin with. And then we're going to the book of Exodus because we have been studying for the last several weeks through the book of Exodus and some of the great lessons from the life of Moses and the children of Israel. So let's look together in uh, this passage today and I just want to make a few points and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But there's a truth that I, that I hope that the Lord will put into your heart. The title of the message this morning is simply this, Don't Pass Over the Passover. It was at the Passover where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And so I want to sort of tie those two very special days together, one for the Hebrew people in the Old Testament and one for God's people in the New Testament. But in Luke chapter 22, follow along as I begin reading with verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. Now, that's the way it reads in the King James, but the implication of that, because there's a direct uh, article prior to the word Passover, it's talking about the Passover lamb. That's the reference, the Passover lamb. And it says in verse 8, he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. You eat lambs, right? So it's a reference there. Verse 9, and they said unto him, where will thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entered in. And you shall say unto the good man of the house, The master says unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, and there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave unto them saying, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Now, in this passage we have repeated over and over a reference to the Passover. It was at that occasion in Hebrew custom that Jesus took the opportunity to teach a, an important lesson for the Christian community. And he initiated an observance that we observe until this day. In fact, we're going to in just a few minutes. This is where, and, and this is something that Jesus 
initiated, but the church in the book of Acts, the early church continued this practice. In fact, the apostle Paul in the epistles gave us instructions regarding this practice. So this was to be instituted for something for the believers to participate in. But we are studying through the book of Exodus and we need to go back to when the Passover really began. Because, you know, many of you who grew up in church and Sunday school and Bible school and things like that, you understand what the Passover is. But there's a lot of people, what does that word mean? What does the Passover mean? What is the Passover lamb all about? Well, it all began back when the God was delivering the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And you remember God had sent to the land of Egypt a number of plagues because Pharaoh kept refusing to let the children of Israel go. And it was like God was saying, I'm going to persuade you. Uh, you know, you're going to let my people go whether you like it or not. And so he kept, he sent plagues. And these plagues were, caused great distress among the people of Egypt. And, and finally, Pharaoh would say after one of the plagues, he would say, okay, okay, I give in, I'll let you go. But as soon as, and, and so God would remove the plague. And as soon as the plague was removed, Pharaoh would change his mind and say, nope, I'm keeping you as slaves. And it, that went on. In fact, it took, ten, it took nine plagues until the final, which is the 10th plague. But nine different calamities came upon the land of Egypt. Do you remember the water of the Nile turned to blood? The land was covered in frogs and lice and flies. The livestock was afflicted. Boils came on the skins of the Egyptians. Hailstorms happened in the land. Locusts invaded the land. There was darkness for a period of time. And after all of those things, Pharaoh still refused to let the children of Israel go. So God says, I'm going to send one more plague. And this was the death angel that was going to pass through the land of Egypt. And all the firstborn were going to die, except those who followed God's instructions. And so let's read the story. That's the background. That's the context. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 11. Let's look in Exodus chapter 11, and let's begin with verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go. He, when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And by the way, it's just an interesting little footnote that when the children of Israel left the land of Egypt, they took some of the spoils of Egypt with them and God used some of these very precious jewelry and items and things that they took with them to eventually build the tabernacle <laughs> in the wilderness. Um, it's like the Egyptians and Pharaoh funded the first capital stewardship campaign. <laughs> they, they, they funded the building of the tabernacle. But anyway, that's another sermon. Let's look in verse 3. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. And in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. 
And Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about midnight. Now here, here's where it starts to explain the Passover and the death angel. Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, so as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, all the people that followed thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Now, in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm going to share a message that, about uh, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So I'm not going to deal with that here. But I would just say to you, that after repeated efforts to get Pharaoh's attention, Pharaoh kept hearing from God, hearing from God, hearing from God, and he refused to obey God. And eventually, he, the Bible says he hardened his own heart. He hardened his heart. And he just kept on hardening his heart and hardening his heart. And finally, God said, okay, if, you, if that's the inclination, if you're going to have a hard heart, so be it. But we'll deal with, with that in a few weeks. But Moses... Uh, was given some very special instructions now. God had declared that this death angel was going to pass over the land of Egypt. But God wanted to spare his people. God wanted to rescue his people from Egyptian He wanted to deliver them. And so he told Moses, now if you do not want the death angel to visit in your home, here's what you need to do. So let's look in chapter 12 now and look in verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, let me just pause right here and say that that surely got Moses' attention. God's saying, we're going to change the calendar for you from this day forward. This is going to be a new beginning. This is going to be the day I set you free. And from now on, it will be celebrated as you, the beginning of your new year. So something important is about to happen. Verse 3. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb. And that is so important, the animal that was chosen. It was a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for each house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, 
Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating, that is the amount he can eat, shall make your count for the lamb. Now your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, its head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet. Now, all of these instructions are important. Your loins girded, shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. Now, here it is. It is the Lord's Passover. This is where what, began, what Jesus did with those 12 disciples in the upper room, this is where it was initiated. Look in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood, there's another important word in this passage. The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, here's what God is saying. I will, and this is where the word Passover comes from, by the way. God said, when I see the blood, the death angel, when it, if it's on your home, if it's on your house, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations you shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. And to this day, by the way, the Hebrew people celebrate Cedar or Passover. Just like God said, from that day forward, every year, they celebrate. And you know what? Christians celebrate it. Christians we, Jesus just changed the meaning. He changed the emphasis. He gave it a new purpose. In the Lord's Supper. But to this day, just like Jesus said, it is going to be celebrated. Now, let me just tell you the point I want to make, and then we're going to, we're going to observe this ordinance. But it is remarkable. And I don't even have time to fully exhaust it. I'm sorry. I'll just give you sort of the icing, and, and we'll get down to the cake a little later. But it is remarkable the comparison, the similarity between the requirements 
that God gave to the children of Israel concerning that lamb that was to be slain and the Lord Jesus. So many similarities. They, Jesus, a God in these instructions told the children of Israel that he was very specific. See, God is a God of order. God is a God of detail. You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I get frustrated with me because I, I, I'm, I, I'm a detailed person. I like to make sure details are taken care of. Just ask Becky or Jacob. They, and sometimes I'm, I'm over detail oriented. But, but, but God is a God of detail. And um, they, uh, they did these things in order for a purpose. And he said, first of all, I want you to take a lamb that is one year old. He gave a specific age. Now, I don't know a lot about lambs, but I do know that I'm told that, one, that the prime age for, for lambs is one year old. Uh, that a lamb at one year is in the prime of life. It's producing the most wool. It's at the healthiest state and stage. He was at the prime of life, these lamb, this lamb, specifically. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, have you ever thought about how old Jesus was whenever he was crucified, whenever he died? He was 33 and a half years old. I don't know if... Anybody in this room 33 and a half? Or, or, uh, 33. You're 33 years old. Anybody? Is anybody 33 years old? All right, we don't have anybody here in the prime of life. Ah, oh, Jared. Jared's at the prime of life. <laughs> and he sort of looks like a Hollywood Jesus, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, the, uh, but, but, you know, the, we're... we're Jesus, when he died, have you ever thought about why, you know, 33 really is sort of the prime of life. Uh, they say between, uh, I, I just Googled it. I just Googled it. I said, I Googled, what is the prime of life? And, you know, you get different answers, different things. But between 19 and 45 years old, that range, 33 being sort of right there centrally located on the more mature side of that, is the prime of life. Have you ever thought about why Jesus wasn't 20 years old? when he was crucified or why he wasn't 60 years old or 50 years old. I think God was putting into him fulfilling this prophecy of the lamb that he would to be slain at the prime of life. Look, something else about this lamb, no defect. That's the second detail. In other words, it couldn't be a lamb with a crippled leg. It couldn't be a lamb that was discolored or deformed. It could not be sick or diseased. It had to be a lamb with no defect, a Perfect lamb in the eyes of the Hebrews. They even went through a process, we won't get into this morning, of determining if this lamb had any defect. But ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus died on the cross, did you know that he was a perfect man? He had no flaw. He had never sinned. The Bible says he had never had an evil thought. He never did an evil action. There was no defect. He had no character, no moral defect. He's the only man who ever lived. All of us are imperfect, right? Do you know anybody who is absolutely perfect? Now, ladies, I know you're married to someone who thinks he is. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, all of us have flaws. Jesus didn't. 
He was a lamb at the prime of age. He was a lamb with no defect. In, in fact, in the requirements that we just read, the lamb was to be slain in the evening at twilight. Just at twilight, after you have fed this lamb for 14 days, I want you to take this lamb and slaughter it to be killed. He gave that instruction to Moses. Now, we know that the Lord Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m., and he hung on the cross for six hours. But did you know he died towards the latter end of that? He died close to twilight? Because Mark tells us in his gospel, as evening was approaching, that's when the soldiers came and broke the legs, the knees of the two thieves, and Jesus was already dead. In John chapter 19, he says, in the evening, in the twilight, late in the afternoon, that's when the soldiers thrust the spear up into the ribcage of Jesus. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't die at 9 o'clock in the morning when they first crucified him? Or why he didn't die at noon when darkness covered the land? He died later in that process when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I, I believe he was an illustration even of this Passover lamb, the requirements regarding it way back in Exodus chapter 12. And folks, he is our Passover lamb. We don't have to... We don't have to sacrifice animals to get forgiveness of our sins anymore. Jesus was the perfect lamb of God who died for all the sins of the world. And we don't have to offer any more sacrifice. There's no more substitute. Let me tell you a truth. Salvation is not, not learning lessons. It is not learning lessons from the life of Jesus. Salvation is receiving life from the death of Jesus because he was God's perfect lamb. Well, the fourth requirement was the blood had to be applied. They had to take blood and they took, a, they, they took an old piece of hyssop branch. You know, hyssop is just sort of a weed-like shrub. And they... They took that hyssop and they dipped it in the lamb's blood and they had to put it on the top of their door and down the sides of their doorpost because when the Passover angel came, when the death angel came, he would pass over the house where the blood was applied. Now, they may have been very wealthy, affluent Hebrew people. They may have been poor. But God didn't say if you put rubies or jewels on the door, I will pass. God said, if you put blood. It's, it's, see, we're not saved by silver and gold, Peter tells us. By the precious blood of the lamb. God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And by the way, it's interesting that he told them, he, told, he specifically told them to take hyssop to apply the blood, that brush, that weed, that shrub to apply the blood. There's many in our congregation who have been to Israel. Let me tell you what there's a lot of in Israel. There's a lot of rocks and there's a lot of hyssop. It's just old shrub. It grows everywhere. It grows out of the cracks of walls. You look at the Western Ball. There, there's little cracks of little shrubs. Uh, everywhere, the streets, sidewalks, walls of homes, hyssops everywhere. You know what that tells me? It's easy to apply the blood. 
It's available to everyone. It's available to everyone. It reminds me when God said, whosoever will may come. It's available to you. But the last truth is this. The lamb was to be eaten with anticipation. They, they were to cook the lamb. They were to roast it. I'm not sure how many, but most people suggest there were two to three million Jews in Egyptian bondage. They were to roast this lamb the night before Passover. What a barbecue. I bet that drove the Egyptians crazy. All of a sudden, two to three million start cooking out that night. They roasted it. Then they were to eat it. But they ate it with anticipation. You remember I pointed out a verse when we read it a while ago, and I told you this is important. He, he said, I want the sandals on your feet. I want the staff in your hand. I want your, I want your robe on. I want your cloak on. In other words, when you sit down to eat it, I want you to be ready to go. Because after that Passover lamb, pass, uh, that death angel passes over the homes with the Passover lamb blood applied, Pharaoh's going to say, leave. I want you to leave. I want you to be ready to go. And so when they, when they ate it that night, they were dressed, they were ready, they had the shoes on, they, were, they, were, they ate it with anticipation. In other words, God had not delivered them yet, they just believed his word. And did you know, folks, whenever you're saved, God gives you the assurance, God says, he that is in Christ shall never die that you're going to have life eternal. And when you receive Jesus, oh, you, you, you don't get that eternal life right that moment. You get abundant life. But you receive him with anticipation. You receive him with faith in his word. That's what the children of Israel did. They, they received that lamb with anticipation, with faith that God was going to fulfill what God promised. And God always does. I know, guys, I gave you some other verses, but I want to close with this verse. I want you to look in 1 Corinthians because some of you may be thinking, Brother Gary, are you just reading something into this? Um, or is this really the lesson that God wants us to learn? But I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. God makes a distinct comparison between the Passover lamb and the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that's talking about sin, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The old devil comes along, he's created, he's, he's in a place that was created for 
torment and torture where the Bible says the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The devil says, when you die, I want to take you back to bondage. Jesus says, I'm your Passover lamb. I'm dying for you. Apply my blood. Receive my life. Let me forgive you of your sins. And the death angel of eternal torment will pass over you. <laughs> he that is in Christ shall never die. When we observe the Lord's Supper, folks, that's what we're celebrating. That's worthy of celebrating, right? Amen? Don't pass over the Passover. 